0: In the beginning, Danny and Jake Watson
1: created the Open Guardcast. The podcast platform was formless and void. That is a, a Open Guardcast 1-1 one, one and 1-2 one, out of the uh, scriptures that were talking about just the formation of the podcast. And if you go forward into the uh, the new podcast, which is the uh, later than the old podcast, then you will see in squat 1-5, that Open Guard cast started to get sponsored by Electrum Performance. You can use our discount code OPENGARDCAST25 to become thick, mean, lean, and swole, which is what we're called to be in 2nd <laughs> uh, Biceps fourteen eight. So just make sure you guys are picking up your your, your brobles and reading them. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Watson, and uh, this is Danny O'Donnell. And we are joined today by the lovely sensei ariel tabak the most <laughs> peaceful intro i've ever given on the show i'm usually really intense and kind of obnoxious but you know man i was i uh, had a good day so we're here that was
2: amazing that was amazing <laughs> that I, i'm genuinely in tears from from the the, <laughs> the, the brobles. The because brobles. <laughs> 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 I, I couldn't come man. if i would have had
1: like you know like chestalonians that would have been great, better. I had my head. Ever. It's just coming up with uh, names out of the Bible without becoming blasphemic, of course. You, you, whenever you tell jokes, and it's you know, I'm a man of faith, so whatever you you're walking a hey, you're walking a line. But yeah. I like to think that God did have a sense of humor, just not when you take His name as vain. It's like, hey, I told you yeah. don't do that. It's not funny. But you know, I mean, if I say I, in the in the book of in the book of uh facts, then. uh that's an axe joke. Never mind. Well, anyway, we're here with uh, Ariel Tabak. Uh, you are currently in Australia, or you're just born from Australia?
2: So I'm actually uh, born. I was actually born in South Africa, and um, so my dad's side of the family is South African, and my mom, my mother's side is actually from Brazil, and we've um, just happened to, you know, move to Australia in 2001. So not actually Australian uh, by blood, but. Um, you know, I've lived here for a, a decent portion of my life.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! So, 2001. Yeah. To put things in, into perspective, I was four years old, maybe three years old. How old yeah. were you? Were you very young like that as well?
2: I was, I was like five or six, I believe.
1: Oh, nice! You're older than me, but I younger than Danny. <laughs> Damn, I had I, I was able to Danny was able to rent a car in 2001, actually. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, that's awesome. That's a that's a very good. Uh, that's interesting. And I, we like asking that question first. I, I figured maybe people would wonder this. And I like talking about this. We uh, the very first question we always ask on the show is, how did you get started in jujitsu? But I also like to find out, like, you know, your background, because I feel like what you did before jiu-jitsu influenced you to start in the first place, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll open up with that question before I let Danny, who is infinitely more intelligent than that of myself. I am a caveman-esque, I would say, <laughs> even though I am skinny and not from the region that they discovered the cavemen. But uh, how did you get started in this sport that we call Brazilian jiu-jitsu?
2: So was kind of just um doing my thing in high school I uh, was playing a bunch of different sports my martial arts experience prior to jujitsu was taekwondo and I find that was heavily influenced by my dad who back in the day was a uh, karate black belt back in South mm-hmm. Africa and um, he would do some like pretty old school stuff and The way he described his karate to me, it actually sounds a lot like mixed martial arts. Funnily enough, like there was takedowns, there was a bit of grappling, there was a lot of striking and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, So I did Taekwondo for about seven years. And it was that it's kind of that stereotypical, like, you know, no contact sparring, traditional martial art. And uh, after that, I kind of stopped for a while ended up playing basketball actually. And then I'm not sure what exactly brought me back to, you know, wanting to do martial arts again, but I wanted to start, um, doing Muay Thai. And I remember going to this Muay Thai gym near my house and the guy was like, sorry, we're closed. And he was, you know, in the process of shutting the gym. So then I went to this other gym in a different area and they had a mixed martial arts program. And I was like, oh, what's that? You know, I hadn't really heard of the UFC or anything. So it wasn't that stereotypical. Oh, I watched Gracer on the very mm-hmm. first UFC, Smoke Everyone. It was nothing to do with that. And um, I just remember jumping in this teen's mixed martial arts class. And it was really funny because the guy just threw us straight into sparring. And so he just gave me a pair of gloves (laughs) and Uh, it was just these like teenagers, just like having punch-ons basically. (laughs) That's fantastic. This one dude, I took him down. I was, I was taking a lot of people down in that session, ironically. And I remember he took my back and choked me and I was like, what was he doing there? I I, I asked the coach this and he's like, oh, he's using jujitsu. And I was like, oh, awesome! I need to try this out. <laughs> oh, that's and fantastic! Kinda just, cool. Kind of just started from there. Wow. Yeah.
3: So did we that academy? Fun. Did that have a jiu jitsu program too, or was it just like a pure yeah. mixed martial arts school? So
2: they, so that that um, that gym is that, it was actually very well rounded. It had jiu jitsu and the gi <clears throat> no gi, mixed martial arts, um, boxing, muay thai, judo, wrestling. It, it actually had like pretty much everything um and at the time the jiu was affiliated with checkmate
0: mm-hmm.
2: so i was like when i first started training i was under checkmate
1: mm. that's very interesting you and i have a very similar um like path in the martial arts world, because I also did Taekwondo and I was influenced by my dad, not because he wanted to do Taekwondo more because he wanted to lead me towards a martial arts centric life. And then um, Muay Thai was also another big thing I did. I got beat up bad, dude. My, my very first day, she probably doesn't listen to the podcast, but she is still my friend. Her name is Mika Carpenter. And she's this lovely lady who, uh, freaking is Clayton is my buddy Clayton, who actually got me into jujitsu uh, now, now she doesn't do jujitsu anymore, but back when she did, she made me cry on my very first day. She put me in what's <laughs> called an octopus is what, is what I was told. It's basically closed guard squeeze. And you wrap your hands like this underneath your legs in clothes guard and you just squeeze. And you know, I'm like, I don't know, an 89 pound 11 year old kid at this point in my life. And, uh, yeah, I have not, uh, I didn't know that I could have malice in my heart for a girl. but i did um (laughs) but yeah that was rough dude that was that was a rough uh starting point but yeah that's a very interesting like start in your career and uh i mean shoot now you're now you're black belt sponsored by browse fight and what is hope bjj what is that is that your academy
2: oh no no hope's Hope's just my my partner she's um also also a black belt um and same same team as myself, Cicero Costa. And uh, for the last close to five years or so, we've just been traveling around Australia, traveling around the world, training, competing, doing a couple of seminars. Seminars mainly in Australia, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was that, yeah. I was gonna ask that question. We'll we'll get into the the seminars later because I actually really want to yeah. ask you some questions about that. I love I love seeing people, particularly young people in the sport, teaching and going out and being like. Um, very forward moving with their teaching. They're very mobile. Uh, I it was one of my biggest dreams to teach seminars, and I think it's a very effective way of marketing mm-hmm. yourself and a very because you are. I mean, just in the time we've been on the podcast, you seem like a personal guy, a personable guy. And you know, I, I there's this saying, and Danny can actually back me up on this. I, I believe we've heard this a lot. There are people who are good at competing. And there's people who are good at coaching. And then there's that like special little middle ground of people who can do both. You know, we look at like Gordon Ryan, who, is, again, the guy, the guy is a troll and Varun makes fun of him. Right. But, uh, but he's also a fantastic competitor and he really is good at articulating what he does. So operating in that, in that, like super unprecedented middle ground is what I like to see people do. So I'll ask about that. I know this sounds like a big setup to ask about that question, but yeah. no. That is if anything a titillating sneak peek for the listeners to <laughs> learn about that when you're on a podcast too. But uh that that's all the thing we do well is we podcast. You know what's funny? Sorry Danny, I don't want to go on a tangent. No, here. no. Go ahead. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um Arielle is uh I realize that I've become not this uh, you know, I'm not like, oh Jake Watson has a podcast, it's like, oh, Jake Watson from the podcast is actually good? That's what happened. <laughs> that's what, like, people now ask me that. I'm like, that's weird that that happened. I've been a competitor for, like, a decade, man. Like, you get just, now everything doesn't matter anymore. But that's pretty funny. That
3: is funny. So I kind of wanted to go back to uh, kind of, like, your early start in Jiu-Jitsu. So you were under check mat, and you were in high school when you started training, you said? Yeah. Okay, was- so how –
2: 15 i believe when i started 15
3: okay so okay. how long were you at that Checkmat academy and then what was kind of like your introduction to Cicero Costa's team
2: oh, okay so that there's there's quite a a, a story um uh, so i was at Checkmat until i got my blue belt and ironically you know I'm not trying to be the stereotypical blue belt that disappears immediately <laughs> after getting his belt but um yeah it was around the time that I finished high school and I got accepted into a university in Sydney. So another state, I was in Melbourne at the time, um, to study physiotherapy. And, uh, at the time I hadn't really decided that I wanted to, you know, go ahead with full-time jujitsu as a career. And it was for for me at the time, I, I couldn't really justify doing that. Um, anyway, so I was, in sydney for a, a good seven years or so after that and um within those seven years i started training at this one gym called the dojo interesting place um <laughs> and i was there for about three years got my purple belt there and then i moved uh to garage Jujitsu, which is where i met levi um hmm. sorry i met levi actually at while I was training in Melbourne at Absolute with Lucky Giles. But um, Mm -hmm. since meeting him there, that's what made me, you know, choose to make the change over to Garage. And then we are at Garage for a good three years or so. And then we ended up making the switch over to Cicero's after we started training, doing a lot of training trips and training camps over at his gym. And uh, we just kind of, we really got on with, Everyone there, we got on well with Cicero, and I'd been training a bit at Unity, and there was a lot of guys from Cicero's at Unity, so it just, it really made sense to me. And, um, yeah, so we've we've been there since, uh, I think, towards the end of 2018, I believe.
3: So when you say training trips, like, to Cicero's, do you mean in Brazil?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would do, like, you know, ranging from a couple of weeks to, you know, a month of training at at his gym in Sao Paulo and would usually you know do a few competitions before Mm -hmm. and afterwards as well just to make the trip you know get the most out of the trip yeah
1: yeah I've heard a I've heard a comparison between like the sister Costa training room and the unity training room uh I mean sister Costa at this point legendary coach um and the training room there I've heard is just like it's almost like different from the model that america has adopted because it's like you know america i mean it's like it's i can't even explain it so that's why it's like i like want more drilling to, more structured you know? i think yeah. that's yeah. kind
3: of like the narrative that. that's goes what around. i mean yeah it's like american drilling and then shih-tzu. rolling drilling yeah and american shih tzu oh, we are not
1: <laughs> the last thing i'm gonna do is give okay you know what i'll give my opinion on that Okay. <laughs> real quick real quick it's just it kind of dumb like why it's are people very dumb <laughs> it's very very dumb because the reality is that jujitsu didn't even originate in uh brazil brazil gracie changed it you know what i mean it's like and then the line of the gracies changed it and there's a lot of history that people who actually care and who are and see this is the problem people get angry about stuff without researching it you know what i mean in the same way like it's a, america you know what i mean So I think like, dude, if you want to get upset and and neutralize jujitsu or culturally appropriate jujitsu, you should call it jujitsu. But I mean, dude, is it really that wrong for Americans to pay homage to Brazil for giving them the very sport they practice? Like, dude, you just want something to be upset about. That's why you like people just want them to be upset about. And this is kind of, a, I know that, like, oh, but Jake, you're American. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and we were colonized by the British. <laughs> so I'm going to call myself British now. It's whatever, you know. A uh, sensitive yeah.
2: topic. A lot of people having their almonds activated. Over the yeah. Oh, man. 100%. And I love Keenan.
1: I do love Keenan. But like, whatever, dude, just understand. He understood if there's if if Keenan didn't understand that he was going to incite community wide controversy over calling his gym American jujitsu, then that's just ignorance at its finest. Well, it's but I like the guarantee you,
0: debate. He,
2: yeah, it's, it's, right. It's like, like okay. no he got, he got and me then, with that one. He got, he got you. He make you upset. Oh, yeah. yeah. Triggered. My arm is like activated. I know I don't look like <laughs> it.
1: But I love Barimboa, too. And yeah, it definitely triggered me. I learned remember <laughs> when I was freaking blue belt, and I was like, "This is the best thing ever." And then he insulted the best thing ever. You know what I mean? That'd, that's like when people say, when people say they don't like like spaghetti. I'm like, "What is wrong with yeah. you? What happened yeah, when what you were a hell? kid?" Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I don't even want to know like, what happened. It's gonna make me sad. It's bring is down like
2: the day. default go-to meal as a kid for every kid.
1: Well, dude, it's I'm inexpensive. Dude, I have I have spent. At one point, I bought 10 pounds of pasta for $3 at Walmart. I'm sorry, dude. I'm not complaining about capitalism. I'm just saying That has nothing to do with that, but you get my point. It's a joke. Um, lighten up, train jujitsu, have fun, come together. Our commu- like, dude, if there is division in a community about coming together and training, using your bodies to work out, it's gotta be something dumb. And it's true. true. It's, that's something dumb that divides divides communities, you know? I yeah, just think true. that dude, like where are you where are you right now in America? If you are you in America or are you in Australia right now?
2: Oh, uh, I'm in I'm in Australia.
1: Okay, you're in Australia, right? We're yeah. able to talk over the internet about a community issue. If somebody opened up a gym and it was like, hey, we have our own brand, it's called Dagestani Jiu-Jitsu. I'd be <laughs> like, so sambo. Okay. That's- <laughs> But still, like, why even do that? Just call it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, call it Jiu-Jitsu. Like, don't be offended. Unless they're like, you know, like, if you go to a gym, it's like, we do combat Jiu-Jitsu only. And they're hitting (laughs) each other. That's kind of like, okay, it makes sense. Like, we don't hit each other in the Epidigio F. That just doesn't happen. (laughs) I have mixed mixed opinions for sure. But I think at the end of the day, people should be coming together, not finding ways to be more divided. I agree. I Uh, agree. Let that be a lesson for everything. This world does not function on hate. Hate is the only hate is like fire, and the world getting put together is made of wood. You don't you keep the fire <laughs> away from the wood. If water gets on the wood, that's fine, cool. But yeah, fire can't sometimes. go near the wood. Mm. Whatever, Danny, <laughs> this is your problem. <laughs> Freaking old geezer, you
2: don't know the world like I do. Experience is king.
3: sorry i love you no no it's okay it's okay sorry to (laughs) derail this this tangent but we're on a good topic we're on a really good topic so jake asked about unity versus cicero's gym like what were some of the similarities and differences because like he said like unity has like a reputation in america a lot a lot of it's from flow grappling and stuff um and i think cicero's has a kind of reputation too but it's more unknown so can you talk about like the comparison between those two gyms
2: you know it, it, it's so, it's so hard to compare because um, all the guys at both Unity and at Cicero's are they're all so tough and yeah. everyone rolls really hard there and even the the games are quite similar. A lot of the guys at Cicero's are are playing you know the bolo game. Their their passing is really sophisticated as well as their guards and it's the exact same at Unity. Um, if anything the the one thing that I find really separates the two gyms is how heavily invested Murillo is with, with the students and um, simply just having his presence in the room also gives it a a very different feel. Um, It's, it's almost like something that drives you to work harder, not to say that you don't have that drive at Cicero's, but yeah, it, it is, it is that, it is that little bit different at unity. Um, I guess there's that and then there's also just that different feel of being in New York as opposed to being in Brazil that's also something I I notice as well yeah so overall like not not much difference in terms of the the standard and the actual training is somewhat similar you know there there's that that standard um, self-directed method drilling then rolling and obviously At Unity, Murillo, he will change up the session according to you know what he feels is necessary on the day. I mean, at least that's what I think his rationale is. But um, sometimes he'll he will change things up at the end of the session, like, okay, now go go for you know five rounds of speed drilling, sprawls, you know, different things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been
3: pretty fortunate to have a couple Unity people on, Jake. Please add to this list if there are others. But we had Devante on. We had Anna Lowry. Um, yeah. Oh, who else am I missing? Awesome. Uh, well, Levi is still has Obviously to Varun. On. Yeah, leave it. we're waiting yeah. on yeah. Levi. <laughs> yeah.
1: Waiting on Levi since episode, like, 15. Um, yeah. Uh, is that it? Was it just but, them? Is Varun unity? Well, he's trained. Yeah, to yeah. unity. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. No, I have yeah. had uh, Mr. Ariel Tabak, um, yeah. <laughs> the lovely sensei. And... Uh, <laughs> other Maybe than that's that it. man that yeah it's kind of hard to say because i mean and you know what's cool is uh dude some of the most like i, I when i went to fight to win like Devontae's awesome like the, i love Devonte johnson that guy is a fantastic dude yeah. uh that, he's, he's funny, that
2: guy's dude. so so charismatic he comes oh yeah. On. yeah the second he steps on the the mats in the training room it's like the the energy you can feel it picks up rising. yeah I it's love amazing. people like
1: that. I love surrounding yeah. myself with people like that. Um, and that's and I think that gyms that carry that energy usually have the people who are most willing to work hard. You know, and uh, actually to better understand kind of like why you play your game, what division do you fight in?
2: So I compete in the featherweight division.
1: Featherweight, okay, cool. Yeah. So not rooster, not light feather, but feather. Um, yeah. Did you used to cut weight for light feather? Is do you do you currently cut weight for feather
0: or?
2: Uh, yes, I I always um, actually. So 2018, I was actually walking around at featherweight as a, when I was a brown belt, um, which was not the best idea. I was considering doing light featherweight, um, so I didn't really have to cut weight then. But um, as of 2019, I started to try and walk around slightly heavier so that I would actually end up cutting to featherweight. Mm-hmm. And I found that made a bit of a difference, just coming in with a little bit of extra size and strength.
1: Yeah, did you did you yeah. like amp up your strength and conditioning? Like uh, go into a little bit of how you how you prepare for strength and conditioning for yes. Yeah, ju- so,
2: so as of 2019, uh, when I'm I had moved back to Melbourne after my my big stint in Sydney, and um, I met up with uh, this one guy who is actually he's actually now in Sydney, ironically, but at the time he was in Melbourne. His name's um, JT James Tomlinson, and him and this other guy, Joe Worthington, started up this uh, strength and conditioning group called Bullet, Bulletproof for BJJ. And so they, I was fortunate enough that they sponsored me. So they were giving me free training programs and, and coaching me for free. Um, so I think I was doing maybe two or three sessions a week with them. I've always kept my strength and conditioning to the bare minimum because I I generally choose to opt to train more jiu-jitsu um yes yeah, so i was doing about two or three sessions a week and initially it was very light low grade stuff and it was actually heavily focused on uh unilateral movements so single arm movements single leg movements and um as the year progressed i eventually progressed on to like the standard like big lifts squat mm-hmm. bench actually not not a lot of bench ironically squat deadlift yeah so and that and i found that that kind of got my body back to its its normal weight after being somewhat malnourished in 2018 as a brown belt (laughs) well so you don't know what your bench is so i guess we'll cross that off the list because that was going to be my my next question (laughs) oh actually when i was six okay so the this is really sad but 16 year old me could probably bench press more than me now when i was 16 i think i hit like a 90 kilo bench press for one rep Oh nice. Yeah. That's good. I didn't think I could do that now though. <laughs> well,
1: hey, I mean, everybody starts somewhere. When I was when I was fifteen I couldn't uh, I think I could bench one twenty five and yeah. I was I was fifteen years old. I was competing it's about fifty seven one for, I was competing us. at one forty five. Oh yeah, that's true, huh? But uh yeah, that's I was competing twenty pounds heavier than my max bench. It was yeah. So <laughs> so everybody starts dude, everybody starts somewhere you know what i mean <laughs> hey 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 yeah. laugh all you want danny o'donnell it was just funny the way, now the I way bench you... 195 so suck yeah. it no no you're strong you're strong
2: I, it was just funny the way you put
3: 195, that
1: 195. damn so you're yeah. like
2: you know you're close to the
1: to i bench me killers. if you were to clone me i would just bench myself that would for, be four
2: reps or just one rep
1: listen dude i'm not i'm not sure all right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I get too into the nitty yeah. gritty of it's how strong numbers, Jake really I'm is. not that strong, though.
1: And I feel like that's <laughs> something that improves your jujitsu. Would you agree? Like, I mean, yes, I actually want to totally ask both agree. of you guys this. Yeah, like grappling your whole career, not being strong, and then now you're good, and then you get mm-hmm. strong only makes you better. What do you think,
2: totally Ariel? I totally agree. Because uh, it's, it's just that thing of if you can make uh, your game work, whilst being significantly smaller and weaker than most of your opponents and training partners then you know imagine what it's going to be like once you're a lot stronger i guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. A- i feel yeah,
3: like yeah. i've never rolled with anyone who was high level who wasn't like freakishly strong yeah
2: i've noticed that, there's <laughs> that like that, that black belt strength of,
3: yeah
2: um, i've heard yeah, a yeah. lot of people toss that term around, and it's it's true. I haven't rolled with a like a high level black belt that's like, oh, he's he's really weak. <laughs> yeah.
3: Or even yeah. like, I don't even feel like I've rolled with a black belt where I wasn't like surprised by their strength. Yeah, all of them, I'm like, wow, this guy's really strong. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. one of the first things I think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot yeah. of it too is just their their body positioning. They know how to be strong. They know like where their yeah. body's strong. That, mm-hmm. that's I body reckon
2: part. it's that it's that positional strength and just. You can imagine, you know, if you if you get someone that's tra- trained jiu-jitsu for 10 years, you know, they're, that's 10 years of developing that kind of strength in those positions. Every time they bowler, every time they knee cut, every time they retain their guard, they're getting stronger in those positions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, I mean, is,
1: it's crazy. It, it, that yeah. That's a very, very good, it's a very solid point. Um, and also, like, we don't even take into consideration, have you ever had... Acai before? Like these guys are well, eating this which, stuff which by a pound. Are about here? Oh, which you know which acai, acai, acai I'm talking acai about. <laughs> Comes in a needle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No but, uh, no, but I don't want to take too far away from your, what you said. Because what you yeah. said is good. Um, okay, so expounding on that point. I mean, there's two camps of jiu I have had
2: the fruit acai.
1: Oh, me too. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, And you ate your 10% assailant it.
2: Ah uh, yes yes and it's on another level oh my oh, god oh it's, it's on way different level in way <laughs> yeah. way different I went to Brazilian Australia's ASA ASA since is just horrendous oh really <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah okay yeah. but
1: you have the measure by which to you have like the this is good now before I mean okay it's kind of like it's unfair for us to go to a tournament in America and be like dude this I say sucks compared to Brazil because then we just sound like chads that have been to Brazil right but. <laughs> I, uh, I I I definitely felt that way when I went to Brazil and you went to Sao Paulo. Did you also go to Rio? Did you visit Rio at all? Yes. Okay, yeah, so this is a restaurant called the Copa Lima in uh, the Copacabana, and it's this little corner store restaurant, dude. And they sell chicken sand- they sell chicken sandwiches, which my coach was like, "What do they sell these? These aren't a thing." And I was like, "Actually, it's just bread and chicken." But okay, and uh, they they make acai in like they like they don't blend it they like mash it and put it together and then kind of blend it and it's this just this this i can't even like this divine amalgamation of of (laughs) ingredients dude best thing ever brazilian acai is just freaking crazy because america like we we you know we stack it all together like how hard is it to rent (laughs) a blender you know like i don't know and wash it uh, because <laughs> dude, honestly, doing it like that in America is kind of messy, right? Like, do you not like kind of spill some of the freaking cacao, and you're like, damn it, my ghee pants, or damn it, if you're, you're smart, regular pants, right? But <laughs> yeah, this—I I don't know, Danny. One day, Open Guardcast is gonna take over—not take over, but go to Brazil, and we're gonna eat some i I'm gonna film Danny's reaction because, dude, stupid. Yeah, so it's dumb how good acai in brazil is this has a weird tangent that we went on um where i really what i wanted i don't even know what i wanted to ask and because i was talking about food
2: you know what like the tangent of going from strength training to acai it's it's totally not weird i think it's totally understandable <laughs> oh for sure
1: there's some dude i see sometimes the autos guys post like they eat acai after training like They'll, like, eat it after weightlifting by this, like, sponsor of the gym who serves acai. It's like, dude, that's fantastic. Like, there's an acai spot by my gym, too. It's called Nectar. It's, like, two streets up. And that's it like, goes, okay, no! Not compared to <laughs> Brazilian acai. Are you kidding me? This is, like, some... It's terrible. Some, Jake just goes there because the autos girl guys do. Yeah, some 17-year-old girl goes in the back, like, okay, you want apple juice with it? No, I okay. can't. Goes back, makes it... And it's like, okay, this is good. Like, I, I, it's not $14 good, but it's pretty good, you know. I'm not about to pay IBJJF prices for some young woman named Caitlin to make my açaí for me. She better have 15 middle names so I know the açaí is good. Yeah. Oh my, oh my god.
3: All right, I'm gonna end this tangent. Yeah? Is that okay, Jake? Dude, you gotta reel me back in. I'm sorry, I'm having fun. All right, I'm gonna reel you back in. Okay, so. I've watched a bunch of your matches, and you do have that same kind of like Cicero Unity style where you do a lot of Baron Bolos, um, really good like pressure passing too when you're on top. Was that style like – were you kind of gravitating towards that before you started training with those guys, or is that something you picked up just being in those rooms?
2: It was definitely something that I was always leaning towards prior to to like you know training with, with Levi and stuff. Mm -hmm. my um, my coach actually my my very first coach he actually showed me how to bolo when i was white belt oh wow yes i've been i've been playing that that game since i've practically started um and uh as for like the pressure passing i mean i don't know if there's there's much much uh footage of me in competition passing i feel like i'm just mainly playing guard but that's definitely something that i've always been leaning towards and it's like my, I feel like my whole style is kind of, uh, kind of intensified since, uh, you know, training with the Sister and Unity guys. It was like exactly what I was looking for training with them, essentially.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So another yeah. thing that you're really good at, obviously, is like your guard retention. Um, so you want to talk about like how you kind of develop that, like, throughout your career? Because I feel like some people, like, if they're flexible, they can naturally kind of you know, find ways to to pummel their legs back in and do stuff like that. But I feel like the level of knowledge that a really good black belt has of guard retention requires like a lot of attention to detail, like breaking down very specific positions and having counters to all of them. So what was that like? Like, what was your journey like from when you started studying guard retention to like where you're at now?
2: So in terms of the In terms of the flexibility, that's something I should touch on a bit later, but I was never actually as flexible as what I am now. Mm -hmm. So that was something that developed as the guard retention developed. But um, what really set me on the path of, uh, you know, playing guard in a way that I was able to retain and pummel my feet was actually just the very basic inversion. And I started doing that as a white belt. And ironically, it was from watching guys do that um that very old school double sleeve with the lasso and inverting into like an omoplato or triangle. Mm-hmm. And just playing around with that actually started to get me more familiar with the inversion. And then obviously the barambolo as well. And over time, it was just a combination of, you know, getting my guard past and training, you know, retaining my guard against various opponents and training partners and obviously watching a lot of tape watching particularly the meows i found watching their guard retention was extremely helpful and michael
3: Lange. and michael Lange, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed the way he inverts when he retains his guard is like he's the person i always look to it always looks so smooth everything's like in alignment and he just like yeah spins right through it's so cool mm-hmm. the anyway, spider guard
2: the one thing I, I always took from Michael Lange was just the that, like, forwards and backwards plane uh, of his guard retention with his legs. So he had ins- he's always had insanely uh, flexible hamstrings. Yeah. So whenever he plays spider guard, he doesn't care if he gets stuck because his feet will touch the floor, but his hips will barely come off the floor. And then he'll get his grips and then pummel his feet back in. And that was always something that I was, like, really amazed and inspired by. And I actually went through a phase where I was basically trying to uh, be like Michael Lange in terms of his guard and guard retention. So I was trying to be a spider guard guy at one point. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: feel like everybody's had that phase,
3: though, where they try to make themselves, like, their favorite grapplers. Do you ever do that, Danny? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. My favorite coming up was Cobrina. Um He it's really cool. So I, st- I still like a lot of the stuff he does, like the sit-up guard and just his style of passing. And he seems like he's really patient, too. So I always try to, like, emulate that. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. Michael Langy like, your primary
1: one, Ariel?
3: Uh,
2: you know what? There was, there was n- never really a primary one. It was always a, a, a bunch of guys. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, be, being, you know, featherweight, I I definitely idolized Huffman Mendez at one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. That
1: was really cool. So I was
2: trying to, trying to do his bolos. I mean... You know, you never really see that guy in a position where he needs to really retain his guard, because mm. he's he's always attacking. Right. He's always got the guy, you know, in collar sleeve or outside Delaheva. Yeah, I De La Riva. feel like he always
3: had everyone so off balance. It was like yeah, they weren't willing, they weren't able to like set up their passes because yeah. they were just reacting to his his movements.
2: Yeah, so I mean, he wasn't someone I really watched for retention, but just for like. Overall guard and, and guard passing, it was someone that I that I really tried to emulate a lot as a blue belt. Um, you know that uh, that very old video of the meows by BJJ hacks? Yeah. Their purple belts. Yeah. Fighting, that was fighting like, my coach.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Marcio Andre. Fighting
3: Marcio. Yeah. And a lot of them.
2: Oh, he's your, he's your coach. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Cool. yeah. 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 Really so cool. that, that was like. That was the the video that that got me onto the Meow Brothers.
3: For sure, yeah, that video was so cool. I remember. I think I was pretty close to when I started training when that came out. But yeah, that was such a cool video. Their their guards just looked so much different than even like mm-hmm. what the other top level black belts were doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, even now, if you if you watch a lot of the stuff they're doing now, back then, it's it's still ex- extremely high level. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. very ahead of their time in that for that period.
3: Definitely.
1: Man, I uh, I, I saw that video the other day of their knees. Did you see that? Oh man, yeah. Oh, oh, that was disgusting. awful, dude. Yeah, th- I'm uh, not gonna get on a tangent on that, I promise. But the,
2: okay. um, when when was getting his knee reconstructed. Uh
3: huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. That that that's intense. He he had like a uh, completely ruptured ACL, LCL, and meniscus, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean it looked like every ligament in his <clears> knee <throat> is just completely torn because the doctor was able to move it in every direction mm. with no resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah was it
2: was pretty nasty. I just uh, – I, I find it so amazing how he was able to continue having a, like a, a full-length match with Tankino after that. Yeah. Move crazy yeah, that's, that's, and then he
3: competed insane. after adcc he actually yeah. lost a match to uh, gabriel souza from zr team a yeah. nogi match i think it was the ibjjf nogi europeans oh uh, yeah but he had this big knee brace on and he was competing and i was like after seeing that video i was like he his knee was probably in a similar shape mm-hmm. to its yeah. worst point and he's fighting one of the best black belts in the world and then yeah. uh, Josh lost Cisneros too yeah yeah i think as well. i think his, oh that was after the reconstruction yeah Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: I, okay, I really, um, it, it was, it sucks to see him, uh, you know, I, I'm sure Josh Cisneros is, is an epic competitor, but yeah, it just, it really sucked to see Polo suffer, suffer that loss coming off of that injury. Uh
3: huh. Yeah. And really the one too, he had the, the loss on who's number one as well to Gio. Marquez.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm sure he's gonna bounce back soon.
3: Hmm. Hope so. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back to uh, – because you were talking about the guard retention, like how you developed that. Um, so do you have – do you feel like when you're training, you like – do you go into every training session with a specific goal or a specific skill set that you're trying to work on? Because I feel like for a lot of people, um, like myself included, like sometimes I'll go into the gym like, hey, I want to work on this daily HEVA technique or whatever. But then maybe we're drilling something different and then in the rounds I'm just – it's just not there. And I don't, Mm. if I force it, I feel like I'll be making a bunch of mistakes. So what's your advice for like someone for developing their game? Um, when maybe they're not like the head coach and they can't dictate the way the training goes.
2: Mm. So for like, in terms of the, the first question with how I approach training. So I kind of go through phases where I will turn up to the gym and I'll say, I'm, I'm going to work, you know, my crab ride. I'm going to work my guard passing. But what I also think is really important is to go into training sessions just with nothing on your mind and just, you know, purely intuition based and just, you know, work whatever comes your way, because that's kind of what's what is somewhat similar to competition. Um, I mean, obviously, it's different for everyone. Some people are very, like, strategic based when they go when they go into competition. Yeah. Um for someone that like can't dictate the roles that's that's like i find that's where it it gets a lot more difficult because the i guess like if you're you know as you said head coach you can kind of dictate where the role goes and you can choose what you work during the role so you can basically make your whole sparring session a specific training session but if you're not able to do that um yeah that's tricky i guess like you have to pick your training partners that you can do that with. You know. Yeah. If mm. you're if you're a purple belt rolling with, you know, head coach like Marcio Andre, you're not <laughs> gonna be able to choose. But that's where you would probably work, I guess, your A game and it, the the whole role would be very defensive on, on your behalf, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I work my side control escapes a
3: lot against him. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) for for
2: for a scenario like that, I'd be thinking, oh, just work your guard, try and work your guard retention, and try and you know, if you get past five times in the round, try and eventually only get past four times in the round. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. Um, Yeah. No, that, that that's a tricky situation.
3: No, that's a that's a good answer though. I feel yeah. like that's that's still some valuable information. I kind of have another follow up question. Um, yeah, that's kind of related to that too. But so I feel like your your game is pretty specialized. You're very good at baron bolo. You're obviously good at other positions too. But in competition, <laughs> you use that position a lot. Do you feel like for a good competitor, do you feel like it's important for them to have a specialty where almost like everyone knows what they're doing? Because when I think about the top competitors like Leandro Low, people kind of know what he's going to do. Uh, Marcio, people know he's gonna knee cut. They know you're gonna bear yeah. Bolo. Like, do you think that's important for like a top competitor to really specialize and put a lot of time into one move or one position?
2: I would say so. Um, I would say so. It's it's good for for everyone to have their little like signature move, their special attack. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think if there are guys that are kind of like. They don't specialize in one particular thing, but they're kind of, you know, decent at everything. I'm yeah. Trying to just think if there's, Kainan. If there's Kainan. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, gets I mean,
3: just single leg X really well from bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got a really nice knee, knee cut. Card. He's got a yeah. nice
2: bullfighter. Um. Yeah. yeah. shit, And he's got a nice bolo as well. Okay. So well, he's a he's a good example then. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's a good example. Oh, he can smash you,
3: which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jake, you're uh, you're a good example. Like, you have obviously like your A game attacks, but I don't feel like you do the same position every match. I think we're
1: talking about people who are like super good at every position, <laughs> not decent at every position. <laughs> so I wasn't really including myself in the conversation. I, I included saying. you. You didn't do it. Well, thank you. It was me. <laughs> um, I mean, okay. My coach and I had an argument about that though, where like I told him because uh, he sees me like in the gym, like putting myself in deep half guard. He's like, why are you doing that? I'm like do not want to learn it. <laughs> he's like, well, but yeah, but maybe don't like focus. Like there's a tournament coming up in two weeks, and he's like, I understand. Like, but if there's a lull in tournaments, go learn because you want to become a better coach and and you want to become better jiu jitsu all around. But sometimes you got to focus on like the your A game. And I'm like, yeah, but what if my A game can become like a capital A game? What if it can become like a bigger like got more to do with my A game? He's like, I understand your ambition, and some people have done that and done well jiu jitsu with that. I'm not going to stop you, but just understand that, like, I still want you to like, you know, your single leg axe is still good and your collar and sleeve is still good. So remember <laughs> that. Don't like forget those because I, I stopped doing burn bowl from like, I don't know, my whole brown boat time being a brown belt but i did really well bitter and bullet purple ball and now i do really well bitter and bullet black ball but i didn't do a brown belt and Andre's like why didn't you just do a brown belt too I'm like i don't know i kind of started to like de Giva, like with the far side grip and i just stopped doing it and he's like yeah see that's dumb don't do that <laughs> like maybe that's don't actually, forget
2: um, that's actually quite interesting <clears throat> it seemed like you know you were doing the deep half because you are actually enjoying the deep half
1: Mm. Well, I, I just enjoy light. all of jujitsu though. So like yeah. if I see a guy in my gym who's a purple belt, who's an ultra heavyweight do deep half, I'll be like, I can do that. Like, I'll be <laughs> like, I want to do it. So I'll do it yeah. next round thinking that I can hopefully develop because I don't believe that, you know, being black belt means you understand all of jitsu better. I think that you're a black belt at, you know, you, like you're a black belt at jujitsu for sure. And that comes with different implications. But, like, I'm not going to say that I'm a black belt level deep half guard player. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I but – I, but my, my – I'm just infatuated with the idea of being good at everything. Like, I, I love it because it's, it's, it's something to work towards. You know, once my competitive career is over, what do I have but knowledge, you know? So I want to be able to expound upon that. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy all of jiu-jitsu. Like, okay, for instance, my wrestling sucks. <laughs> like, and I got close to the mic for that one because it sucks. Yeah, and if I go too. to ADCC to do something other than talk about it, then I'm gonna <laughs> then I'm gonna suck at wrestling uh, until I get better at it, right? So that's like my area of jujitsu. I have a a guy whose uh, his name is Robert Galvani. He goes to my academy. He's Pro belt wrestler, and he makes me feel like I uh, actually shouldn't even be on the mat wrestling. I should be just. <laughs> shouting from the sidelines but that's my point is like i really want to learn all of it like i want to learn judo because not that i might use judo in every match but i freaking love learning so i want to do that And i feel like that's you have to take that approach you have to be able to have fun with jiu-jitsu whether or not you you know i I do believe in specialization i do need i think that you need to have techniques that you're like okay this is my a game because that's going to get you to even develop a learning standard in the first place and uh yeah I, i i agree with you but um, I do also think that it's important to be able to improvise. You know what I mean? Like how many fights yeah. have you won? Both of you where like your game plan did not work out, but you won the fight because of your in between jujitsu, like mm-hmm. the jujitsu that you don't focus on as your a game or even your B game, but it won you the fight. Danny yeah. was a wrestler when he first started out in jujitsu, his first tournament.
3: No, no. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't a wrestler. I was just getting takedowns for some was, reason. I was, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But
1: yeah, I hope you guys understood my point. Yeah,
2: no, I totally get that, and I think um that kind of goes back to to what I was saying with like you know some some sessions you want to turn up and just train purely based on intuition, not focusing solely on your comp strategy and your a game because you're going to develop those other areas that you're not necessarily consciously trying to improve. You no, know?
3: mm-hmm.
2: that that that's like that that that's like something I'm quite big on.
3: Do you do a lot of like structured drilling sessions where maybe it'll just take like an hour or two hours, whatever, and just work on like a very specific group of techniques or one technique?
2: Um, occasionally more so like if I do like the, the big drilling sessions, I will cover a, a bunch of different things. But um, I have also like had sessions where I, I've just, you know, kind of zoned in on one area. Actually, the the one thing that i was doing that with was the footlock position that isaac dodelin uses I yeah that's that, was, that awesome. was like really important to to, de- to delve into
3: yeah i've been watching some of the the little clips mikey's put out on it because it's pretty similar i think the way him and isaac do it and just messing around with it earlier today that's like that footlock is so much tighter than the, like the traditional version <laughs> yeah yeah, it's crazy a
2: lot of people a lot of people uh argue that it's like a heel hook yeah, it because kind of is that, like the heel slips and stuff. On the so, chest, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it it works. It works really well.
1: <laughs> hey yeah. man, if you're not cheating, you're not trying.
3: <laughs> I'm yeah. just that's how they counter the everyone who eats acai. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. You
1: got hey, man if they're A, hey, listen, it's only fair. You're gonna cheat before the match, I'm gonna cheat during it.
0: As a joke. I'm not gonna that that that's gonna be a sound clip Reddit
1: takes or something. Yeah. Put that on the internet.
0: <laughs>
3: So I want to talk a little bit about uh, coaching too, because um, you have the guard retention DVD, and we, we talked about like kind of how you develop the skill. But um, do you have plans to do more DVDs? Because I think everyone who's seen the guard retention one has really, really liked it. Um, I think it's has some awesome details on there that I haven't seen before. So, um, like, do you have plans for putting out more instructional[s] or just for getting like kind of more into teaching and maybe yeah. in addition to just your competition?
2: Yeah. So I'm planning on. Um and doing another instructional with fanatics at some point, I think it'll be uh, like a open guard attacks instructional um, in the gi. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm thinking as well at some point of doing like a Barambolo and Crab Ride one. The only issue is um, I know Mikey's recently released his Barambolo and Crab Ride one. So that's kind of like, you know, I don't want to go in and, and basically do like the, the same thing essentially so i need to i need to you know figure out how i would go by doing that but definitely an open guard one um mm. as for as for like other areas of jiu jitsu i i do want to do a guard passing one but i i don't want to release a guard passing instructional if i'm not known for my guard passing in competition <laughs> yeah. so I, I want to make sure i i really improve my guard passing before i do that
1: yeah, your your main hang-ups are how to market yourself effectively. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it's it, it's I guess it's like a marketing thing, but I I just want <laughs> I want to have the credentials for for what I'm what I'm trying to to sell, you know
3: yeah i feel like your division is very tough to pass people's guards too yeah <laughs> I and mean, honestly dude. if you could just get advantages on people from guard passes get them in flat half that's all the marketing yeah. you need yeah. for the featherweight division <laughs> yeah. oh,
1: damn this guy consistently yeah. he got the underhook on him flattened. like holy crap he defended bimbo this guy's passing is nuts yeah. <laughs> sure that's kind of yeah, how it feels though <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy yeah, and yeah so like
3: that's i thought that was really interesting what you brought up too because i feel like people they look at mikey's competitions he baron bolo's everyone takes their back he puts out the dvds and then it's like how do you put out a baron bolo dvd after the king of baron bolo's puts out a four volume dvd that's like 20 hours long mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like do, do you think I mean, that he's, oh go like like ahead a
2: huge influence uh on my baron game as well so it's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
3: but do you feel like just because like you don't have the same body type as him, you're like much longer, he's got like really short legs. Do you feel oh, like yeah. everyone can add like different details to positions that, you know, like you're going to help someone who has a body type more similar to yours, whereas Mikey does it in a way that's specific to him?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are little intricacies that, that can kind of, you know, that are helpful for, for different body types. But I, I do find that at the end of the day, it's all quite similar. Like the stuff that Mikey does, I I find, I, I find is very helpful for, for my body type as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Have you studied his Barren Bolo DVDs by chance? Yeah. Yeah. I totally have.
2: have. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. It's awesome. awesome. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm watching
3: his, uh. I'm watching his daily hiva one because he has one kind of like on just like control from that position um it, it goes a little bit into the Bolo stuff too but more just like the basic uh yeah. Bolo stuff but yeah it's really really good <laughs> he teaches it well yeah how yeah, much yeah. of his teaching revolves around his
1: genetic advantage towards Baron is having like this long of a leg <laughs> honestly dude i feel like it's there's crazy. something to be said for the, his ability to reach well. yeah his torso well his torso is like a like that of a six foot tall person like Jake's. his legs are like they make him five foot six so it's or i don't know how tall he is but, but he I know says he's, five eight whatever dude yeah. he's freaking but still not he's not six feet tall eight, like his upper eight. body
3: five, five, five seven eight. Five, 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 five eight yeah he's he's pretty short
2: i'm like five nine. <laughs> Oh, <really>? nice. <laughs> maybe he's,
3: maybe shorter maybe it's
1: five six yeah, yeah so just being like having that length that's like i feel like being able to stay short so the leg pummels harder and have the length up top to reach up for the collar on a and bowl is like i don't know i'm a, I'm a, a mikey musumessi conspiracy theorist that uh <laughs> that, that guy has a genetic predisposition to be able to do and <laughs> bowl more effectively than 95 percent of the jujitsu population well
3: actually so uh, yeah i, I mean, agree
2: that but then there's also the the short limbs like a question if having the short limbs makes it harder for him at the same time as well like harder to like you know, thread the hooks in and stuff. Yeah, because Varun Perhaps. actually
3: brought up how, like, him and Levi have basically opposite body types. Like, Levi has yeah. longer legs and a shorter torso. And Levi yeah, has, yeah. but he uses maybe more of the, like, deep daily De La Hiva hook stuff than Mikey. Yeah. Um, and just kind of sets it up differently, like, kind of almost in, like, a more traditional way, I would say. Yeah. But just using that, like, baby bolo movement to kind of off-bounce people and then go into the baron bolo. But yeah, I, maybe see I'm that. wrong. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm holding
1: true to my uh, Infowars convictions regarding <laughs> the Yeah. Um. I have a question. Yes. So I've addressed you by this name twice now, but I have to ask why it is uh, in your bio? Because you know we're super interested. I mean, you don't have a bio like Varuns. Varuns' bio is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you do have your YouTube channel in your bio, but yeah. what? Yeah, why, lovely sensei? What is that? <laughs>
2: You know what? It's there's nothing much behind it. I, um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's quite silly actually, but, um, I was, uh, at the gym one day in Melbourne, uh, with, um, one of the guys that owns, uh, immersion. His name's Dave, David Maranakis. He's a really good featherweight black belt from Australia. And, um, I just happened to get, uh, one of those messages by, um, you know, those guys that do the, like, dear sir, madam, we are manufacturer.
3: Yes. (laughs) I get, like, four of those a day somehow. Me too. I I I
2: get, like,
1: at least two a week.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, out of the blue, this guy, after I declined that I don't want to buy any of his products, he, um, starts asking me about, uh, you know, rehab advice and training advice for his lower back injury. And, uh, basically kind of in the p- most polite way possible said i don't want to give you any advice in case you go and hurt yourself because then i will be liable and then he thanked me and called me lovely sensei and at the time we both thought that was hilarious and now i'm That's the lovely really sensei funny. and then there goes. sends
3: you the rose emoji and calls you lovely yeah. sensei like what like <laughs> wow this is a guy french <laughs> Bio.
2: I mean, like, whoa! Yeah, that was so, so personal.
3: Like,
2: yeah, yeah. So, um not meaningful at all,
3: or very meaningful, depending on how you look at it. Maybe meaningful for that guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So,
1: so speaking of the other half of your the interest that goes into your your Instagram bio, uh your YouTube channel. So, yes. I love it when people have good YouTube channels as well, and you seem to have a great one. Um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, follow him on YouTube. 713 subscribers. Get that man to 1,000 before 2022, um, or actually the half of 2021. We expect a lot out of our listeners. But um, t- take us, take me through like your plans for the future with this YouTube channel. And uh, you've you've introduced. Uh, a two part series of a deep guide and deep dive into guard passing. You have some BGJ mo- mobility programs and then you have a uh, part three of the bullfighter series, which is, I mean, it just, it all seems very inclusive and very, you introduced a, another video a week ago. Uh, what are your plans for the future with that YouTube channel? First off,
2: to be honest, I, I still don't have any clear cut, cut plans for it. I, I have the goal of, you know, making it into like a, a very, you know, big and well-known channel with, like, with like vlogs and technique breakdowns, match breakdowns and stuff, um, I'm kind of just playing around with a bunch of ideas at the moment. I mm. even was thinking uh, of doing, like, a, almost like a jiu-jitsu technique Mythbusters, so it would be, like, does this technique work, or is it just a shitty, outdated technique? That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really cool. I yeah. was thinking of doing something like that, but I haven't gotten around to doing it. Um and I oh, and highlight highlight reels as well, that's something I'm really big on. All right. But obviously they're quite hard to do at the moment because competition <laughs> is quite non-existent. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's very true.
3: Yeah, actually that that kind of leads me into another question I I wrote down, but um so I feel I I looked at the IBJJF calendar earlier today and they only have one tournament on there so far for 2021. Um, it's just like a Dallas Open or whatever that they just added, like very recently. So, how like how difficult is it to be a full-time G2 competitor and instructor when you don't, you're not really operating on the same schedule that you were like coming into it. Like Abujaev used to, you know, they had the Europeans, Pans, Worlds, Master Worlds. Everything was very planned out. You knew exactly when it was gonna be. So, uh, and yeah, you could do seminars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, how how difficult is it right now when you're? I don't want to say you're training without a goal. Like I'm sure you're trying to get better at certain things, but without like those competitions, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a target.
2: Yeah. So in that sense, it's I feel like there's this it's this awkward kind of limbo with with training and competition. Like I I just kind of feel like I'm I'm training endlessly without a particular competition in mind. Um, aside from that, though, um, you know everything is still quite quite normal in the sense of you know teaching you know running competition classes or, or teaching classes private seminars it, it's still quite the same prior to the whole COVID thing um yeah I guess the the, the biggest thing the biggest thing that's changed is just the competitions to be honest
3: yeah. yeah what about you Jake what do you think about that what do I think about the uh
1: the newfound world we live in, with jujitsu being <laughs> thrown
3: by the wayside. Yeah, because I kind of I felt like the schedule changing. Yeah, sorry, let me add just a little bit more. So I feel like just going one year without it was kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, we're just gonna lose a year, not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But now we're yeah, into the like next. Yeah, now it's like we really don't know when things are gonna kind of get back to normal. Because okay, let's say they're they're gonna almost definitely push worlds back. It's not gonna be in June most likely. So like now you're kind of operating on a whole new schedule and it's, you know, you're out of your groove. I've, I've learned
1: to find joy and rest in other parts of my life though. And this is, I think something a little specific to my walk that I've taken in faith, but, um, I think, uh, you know, it depends on what you hinge your identity on, I feel. And I mean, I can tell, uh, Ariel that you very much enjoy life itself and jujitsu is the medium by which you live life a lot of people um they become very they, they cling to jujitsu as their life instead of thinking that li- jujitsu is something that gives their life more substance so it's, it's a weird thread that you can walk on but I mean I very much enjoy teaching I still teach a kids program um I, I enjoy doing this podcast I enjoy commentating uh obviously I love competition but competition can come and go you know we we um I live I'm very fortunate you know I'm blessed to live in the United States of America where like everything is anyway but I mean if I lived in another country that all my favorite events happened in America and I couldn't come here that would suck even more um so I'm speaking from the perspective of an area of privilege to be able to compete in America but uh, at the same time, I remember when the pandemic first hit, Danny and I had to, we put together a lot of episodes here and it was hard cause I was battling like onset depression because of the pandemic and it, and it influenced me heavily. And, uh, I've, I've learned to like, again, I've learned to find grace in, in this, in this time because it is different and it's, it might be a new normal dude. What if it was, you know, we have to be ready for that possibility because it doesn't seem like, uh, the media has, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the government or the media has the best interest of the people in mind. Um, I'm not going to get into it like some political tangent, but I, I just feel like we as human beings need to come together and like actually love on one another and, uh, and change the world for ourselves with ourselves, you know? That's yeah.
2: Hard. That that really gets, get, got me thinking, um, you know, th- go, going back to like the very beginning of the lockdown in 2020 last year in March, uh, I kind of saw it. There was almost like a little bit of excitement because it, it seemed like, Oh, there's this, there's going to be this change in how we live. And it almost seemed like a little bit of a, a challenge. And I was, I was kind of thinking, Oh, what am I going to do differently? How am I going to still maintain my skill? How am I going to still train? Um, so I kind of, I, I kind of had quite a positive outlook on it in that sense. Um, and I, I found I, I actually, you know, I actually kind of enjoyed, uh, the lockdown, the initial part of the lockdown because, Instead of, you know, this really hectic routine that I had back in Melbourne, you know, training at a bunch of different gyms, teaching classes and stuff, all I had was this tiny little gym space in my backyard and I was just training with one person. And I actually found that extremely interesting seeing how it affected my jujitsu because I was just focusing on one training partner and their reactions and I found I just found that was was awesome.
3: Did you feel like you were able to make a lot of progress during that time? Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I think that I'm I made a lot of progress and uh I I felt like I added a lot of new things into my game and consolidated areas of my game that went like as as like as strong prior to the lockdown.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, you kind of added some like different ways to like evolve technically? Like you weren't going to a class and getting reactions from all your different partners. Were you maybe like studying more competition footage or instructional stuff like that? Was that part of it too?
2: It was. To, to be honest, it was just a combination of studying comp footage and also my sparring footage from the little backyard sessions that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that that was I found that extremely beneficial.
3: It's Awesome, Jake. Do you yeah, ever like study uh, your own footage of you rolling? Yes, I feel like that's something i oh, but not, I've to not do for a while. in the gym, just not in, in the gym, just in because competition,
1: I, dude. I feel like my my brain would turn into mashed potatoes doing that because <laughs> I, I like, I'm already thinking about and I don't know if you guys ever do this. Like, there's some days where I'm thinking about, like, okay, cool, I, I kind of want to try this during this role. Like, I know this guy does this, I'm gonna try this this time. And, the, or, and then sometimes I'm like, my mind is like on something else. Like I'm hungry and I'm thinking about food or anything, <laughs> dude, because you just, when you just becomes a part of your life and your livelihood, you're kind of thinking about everything. Like it just is like a part of your day. So there's been times in, 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 in tournament where like a thought will pop into my head and I'm like, damn it. Like, think, you know, like you're competing. <laughs> um, go away. Yeah. Go away. Get out of here. I don't want to think about, you know, Cheetos right now, but, uh, <laughs> I, I find that, in the gym if i were to if i were to watch the rules that i have in the gym training three classes a day being in the gym teaching two of those classes i'd probably freaking have a heart attack every day from my brain overpowering so but i do watch my tournament matches over and over and over like i really study what happened in the match um especially if it's a tournament i lose that's something i had to come overcome is like you know being snide towards my losses and like dang like like when i when i lost roberto basically my foot got broke off i was like i don't want to watch that fight ever again that was pretty bad but then i had to watch it my coach was like you gotta watch it jake because you're not gonna learn if you don't i'm like shut up dad (laughs) but yeah that's that's definitely it is man it sucks losing but yeah speak okay so so immediate like in the immediate future not in the immediate future but like as far as seminars or maybe even super fights or anything like that goes, do you have any plans going into 2020 at this moment? Or is there any interests? Right. I shouldn't even be calling it by 2020 anymore because that was a rough <laughs> year. But uh, for this year that came after last year, 2021, <laughs> uh, do you have any like con- like con plans set up right now? Is there any interests you have for this year? Like any goals that you have that you would like to speak out to the public?
2: Um. So... Aside like I, I would say the the instructionals is a uh, is going to be a focus assuming I can actually get back to Melbourne I'm currently in New South Wales so uh, they've, they've shut off the the border to Victoria which is where Melbourne is um, to to New South Wales so um, I'm not sure exactly when I'll be able to get back but so there's the instructional and then um, assuming uh, international travel and competition resumes then competition is definitely on the list and um just trying to improve as much as possible that that's that's really it pretty much the exact same as as last year to be honest all right do you have any plans to? I i find it hard to like you know if if i if i knew that you know the borders would open up again and and Worlds was on, I would definitely, you know, have Worlds as as a priority, as a a goal. But everything is so unpredictable at this point in time. Mm, For sure.
3: Mm. Do you have plans to open an academy in the future?
2: I do. Um, The the issue with that, I find it's uh, a matter of figuring out not so much just when, but also where. When I open up an academy, I don't want to be in a position where, you know, all my training partners are you know on the other side of Australia or they're just you know they're they're busy you know running their own academies so I, I don't want to be in a position where I'm missing out on on developing my own skill because I find that is crucial to developing as a coach as well um, so i'm I'm like very concerned a, about that kind of situation so I want to make sure that you know when I do open up a gym I'm in a position where I can still train and improve myself yeah and so really... uh, the idea is like the the other thing is like you know do I open it up now or do I do I open up a, a gym when I'm you know finished competing you know they, these are the questions i'm I'm kind of asking myself
3: yeah I like what you said about how You want to be in a position where you can keep improving your skill and keep making progress while you're coaching Mm. because i feel like sometimes coaches kind of get into just coaching mode and they're not as focused Mm. on themselves but i think it's a good balance because whatever you learn you can then pass on to your students Mm. yeah
2: yeah i mean i i really I, i really like the idea of of having having my own academy because i've seen i've seen so many people that have their own academy and they just have a, a really good lifestyle there they're on the mats all day they're helping other people improve but you can see that they're still improving their own jiu-jitsu and they're, they're still enjoying their, their journey as well and i think that's really important for sure yeah
3: awesome well jake did you have any more uh any more questions
1: nope other than who is your favorite dragon ball z character since you've been wearing that shirt i'm waiting to ask <laughs> 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 which one is your favorite mine's it- vegeta
2: yeah, I was going to say, I'm definitely leaning more towards Vegeta at this point in time. When I yeah, was younger, yeah. it was definitely Goku. But I, I feel like, you know, as you get older, you start to realize that Vegeta is, is the real MVP.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the character <laughs> development's insane. Like, the arc yeah. that he had is, is nuts. I was like yeah, Piccolo. I feel like he insane. had a similar arc. Yeah. Goku was just... Happy go lucky, get stronger, me happy guy. The whole. b j j Or uh, sorry, BJJ. Uh, Vegeta, he was like, dude, this guy sucks. He's murdering people, and now he's a family man. It's like, ah, oh, cool. Yeah. I also like King Kai he's, a lot. I love King Kai.
2: Yeah, I just, I just like how Vegeta. He's, he's, he knows he's still second best, mm-hmm. and he's always trying to, to you know, overcome that and and become the the best fighter in the universe. Mm-hmm. but it just yeah. like never really happens for him and he's always hungry
1: i know it's inspiring yeah. there's, know, always, there's always someone better and it just happens yeah. to be your best friend but um <laughs> yeah no i don't have any other questions danny do you no
3: that's that's about it if you have any uh like sponsors you want to thank or any friends or supporters you want to shout out
2: oh yeah a big, uh, big shout out to brass fight and uh oh and the resistance
1: The resistance. Oh, I heard about the resistance. I've heard about you guys. The uh, Varun Marotra. Remember? The resistance.
3: Oh, the resistance. Yeah, the resistance. I do.
2: You'll hopefully hear more from them soon.
3: Okay, well, we're
1: going to leave it. We're going to leave that cryptic message there (laughs) and let you guys, the fans, decipher it. Yeah, be sure (laughs) to follow Ari Tabak at No. Spaces, no capitals, is A-R-I-E-L-T-A-B-A-K-B-J-J. Uh, hashtag lovely sensei. We are going to be putting that hashtag on this episode. Um, and definitely make sure to follow him and everything he's doing. Uh, follow his YouTube channel where he posts awesome breakdowns and everything of that nature. And if you uh, had your bro bowl open this whole time following along, <laughs> then you know that electric performance is the key to just some – Absolutely divine squatting. If you want to squat 400 pounds and you're 162 pounds, I guarantee you Alex Turner can make that or at least a version of that happen. Um, use our discount code OpenGuardCast25 to be led to the uh, squat promised land. And make sure that you guys follow us and write us reviews. We uh, want to thank Ryan Liu. Uh, I believe that's how you say his last name. Yeah, wrote like a is. novel of a review. He cracked <laughs> me up. wrote us yeah. a book wrote us a book as a review but yeah we uh, we definitely love what we do and we love you guys so much um may, be sure to follow our sponsors uh chill fit cryo high tier photography oh, i always blank after that agro. uh Electrum performance agro brand eddie from agro brand we love you so much man um also uh break new ground use my discount code jake watson for 10 percent off if you want cover your ears, Ariel, the sickest keys on the market. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, they're an awesome gear company. I love Luis Cantos so much. Um, that is kind of an interesting, weird conundrum that we as athletes have to do, right? We have to promote our own gear brands and like, kind of be like, <laughs> yeah, like it, that's gotta be some weird gray area that I just broke down. But, uh, yeah, be sure to follow them, use our discount codes. And also we want to thank Marcio Andre Academy and Madacaba BJJ. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been Jake Watson. And, uh, now that I, am done ranting, rambling, and promoting
3: Danny O'Donnell. I just have one more thing I want to say. So if you guys haven't seen Ariel's uh, BJJ Fanatics DVDs, he actually is – do you have, just have the two with Lachlan? Are those yeah, the, yeah, uh, the
2: God Retention uh, Anthology, part one and two. Part yeah, BGJ so part Fanatics.
3: – BJJ Fanatics, part one and two. One of them covers guard passing around the legs, Toriando-type stuff, and the other is through the legs. So both those yeah. styles of guard passes, how to defend them – Everything, it's really, really comprehensive, so definitely check those out. I have the Around the Legs I'm still going through, it's really, really good, so d- highly recommended. So yeah, check those out. Um, I'm sure you can find a discount code somewhere, because there's a lot of BJJ for Nice discount codes floating around. <laughs> so yeah. do, do do you happen to have one, Ariel? Uh, like a personal no, one?
2: I, I don't have a personal one, Um, but I think there still is like a, a sale going on at the moment, I believe. Or maybe it's finished. I need to double check. Yeah. <laughs> you can just you can well, check on the, Fanat- on the Fanatics website or Instagram page. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
3: They always have them listed. <laughs> and if not, you can Google it. I'm sure you'll find something. So anyway, <laughs> thank you to Jake. Thank you to Ariel Tabak, our guest today, episode 71. And we will see you guys for episode 72 next week.